Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to episode 29. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. And we're getting closer to the Service to America Medal's big gala. We're both very excited. I'm very excited. I, th- I said a number of times, including on a number of times on this podcast, my favorite event in Washington every single year. We don't do enough to honor feds doing good things. This is the opportunity to do that. The kinds of people that get recognized at this event every year and in the Service to America Medal's program more broadly are like the person that we're meeting today. Marcy Jacobs and the VA Digital Service Team are finalists for the Management Excellence. Sammy, congratulations. Thank you. It's nice to see you. Thank you for coming and joining us today. Thanks for being here. Thank Looking for forward me. to the conversation. Is uh, your story going to make us cry? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> Great. Good. So we're off to a flying start. <laughs> we all. set the bar high. Yeah, well. What did you find digitally when you came to VA? What was the lay of the land? Um, there were lots of interpretations of what digital meant, but I joined a team that was making really good progress just in a very kind of small area. Um, it's been interesting working with the different businesses and hearing how they are trying to push towards digital. And some of that even just starts with scanning paper because now it's a PDF, so it's digital. How do we get from paper to a scanned version of paper to actually using data as data? So it's it's a maturity process. We were talking a lot before we started about your time as a contractor, and now you're working for an agency with a really important mission. Can you talk about the difference between then and now? It's so different. Um, as a contractor, I think you feel very much you have to respond to the ask, and it's a very delicate line if you are asked to do something that maybe you don't think is in the best interest of the citizen, the taxpayer, the agency. Um, but I don't know that contractors feel empowered to truly be consultants and to push back on the government or to make recommendations in a, in a nice way. Um, it's very empowering, quite honestly, to be the person doing the asking and to really focus on what problems are we trying to solve? How do we partner with contractors and with other groups across the agency to get the outcomes that we're looking for, as opposed to throwing solutions over a a contract wall. Might you have a leg up, though, on somebody who's been in an agency for a long time and hasn't seen the other side of the fence, where you now have a sense of what, number one, what you're asking for, and number two, what a contractor is really equipped to deliver? I think that I bring that perspective, which is helpful. I think it's also just bringing kind of an external public sector approach to software development, to human-centered design, to the way we solve problems that people who have kind of grown up in this space and maybe been there for a very long time have this much more waterfall model. So you use two terms there that I hear a lot in the digital space now, human-centered design and just traditional software development. Do you think of your portfolio more of one or the other? Is there a balance between those two? Or is there something else in the mix that maybe we haven't mentioned? I think that human-centered design and agile software development are the two things that are disrupting traditional software development. And my my history, my background is as a designer. So I grew up, I have a fine arts degree and a psychology degree. Um, and I really was part of the 20 years ago when people were trying to figure out what is information architecture how do we design information for the people using it not the people paying for it 
and trying to, at the time I did a lot of work for EPA, trying to convince stakeholders at EPA, what question are people asking that the information you want us to put on a website answers? Uh, they very much wanted a website about my office and I would push back and say, Who, who's asking that question? What? How do you align what you're what you're communicating with what people are trying to get? Mm -hmm. Is it as simple as who cares? I mean, you have that's what it sounds like. That question around human centered design is who cares and how do we make this do what they care about? I think it's it's definitely around who cares. I think there's a um, a missing piece that I see, and this is what really frustrated me as a contractor was the government didn't ask for human centered design, so we couldn't really provide it or mm -hmm. write about it in a proposal. But human-centered design is where you actually get the value of your investment. And it still frustrates me that in a lot of cases it's seen as this optional thing that if we have enough time and we have enough money, it's a, it's a nice to have. It is the thing that assures that you are building the right thing. Otherwise, you can, you can use agile methods and that helps you build much more quickly. Doesn't make sure that you're building something that's actually gonna be used. So you can build the wrong thing very quickly. That's not really what we're trying to do. So. Do you know, can you talk about what it is you think led you to be nominated for this award? Um, how, how cool are you? Yeah, <laughs> I think I know a lot of people who think that this is a very cool project and, and it's great that they have kind of elevated this project, but this project was going on well before I came to the VA. Um, so it's great that the project itself is getting the recognition. And what I think is really cool about vets.gov and where we're headed um, with VA.gov is that it flips the conversation. So again, the VA right now is very much, we push out information, lots and lots of very long information and long PDFs. And if you search for something like healthcare enrollment, you get a page of Google results that are all over the place and you have no idea where to look. Human-centered design is what has changed that conversation to really shifting the way we present digital tools, digital information, plain language content for the people using that information, using analytics, using metrics from across all the different properties to say, what do people really wanna find? You marry that with what you're trying to convey to them and what you're trying to um, sell them on that the agency can do for them, and that's where the sweet spot is. So have you seen an impact from that? We've seen a huge impact on the vets.gov site. In November, the vets.gov site is gonna be merging or consolidating into the va.gov so all of the tools and all the plain language content that we've been building will be available on va.gov which is really the main property and we've learned through human-centered design through research with 3,500 veteran service members caregivers that that's where they want to find this information so that has kind of pivoted our approach to building a standalone thing to building this where people are looking and trying to pull down some of the other brands that are out there, which people don't really understand because you have to understand how VA is structured, pulling that into one place. So the goodness that lives in the health portfolio or in other places will still be findable, but you don't need to log in six different ways, six different places, understand our org chart. So there's a couple questions about human-centered design that I kind of know the answer to, and there's a couple, one in particular, that I want to really dig into. One question is, how do you go about finding out what people want to then design what they want? And the answer to that is you ask them. How specifically do you and your colleagues at VA go ask vets what they want so that you know how to meet their expectations? So it's kind of 
that's the answer that you ask them, but it's kind of that you you watch and you listen. And there are a lot of different listening channels. We have a lot of call centers. What trends are coming in through our call centers? What searches are people putting into our search box? What searches are people putting into Google that point them to us? What are the things that people are really angry about because they did something based on the information provided and they didn't get the answer that they expected and now they're getting a bill or something that really has an impact on their lives. So some of it is that formative, what's happening in the ecosystem? What are people talking about in Facebook groups or on Reddit or other social media channels that we use as a way to influence where we listen? But then when we look at human-centered design on specific products, how do we how do we bring down the time it takes to process a claim? Well, let's watch what actually happens. Let's see where people get stuck submitting a claim online. Let's see where the adjudicators get stuck when they receive that information. Let's try to make that less less of a frictiony experience. How do you triage all of that? Because it sounds like you just then have a tremendous amount of information coming in. Is I mean, is it as simple as just trying to stick dots on a matrix that maybe this is a really important function for this small group of people, but since it's a small group of people, maybe we have to go there later? Or how does that work? Yeah, that's something that we're actually working on right now are what are the problems that that the digital service at the VA should be tackling? And what we gravitate to are the problems that have the biggest impact for the biggest number of people and the things that other groups can't do for whatever reason or are super risky. So something that maybe falls between the administrations or something that's more at a portfolio level. Like the the brand consolidation with VA.gov is not something that anybody else was really tackling. It's something that we heard through research is something that's critically important. So we propose that as a project. There is a backlog that will go on forever. So what we're really focusing on right now are what are the problems that our small team of 50 should be digging into and what are the things that we don't need to own but other groups across VA IT or other contractor teams can own holistically. Can you chart the future for digital in the federal government outside of VA? What are, you, what are the trends that you think people ought to be paying attention to that you think will have the biggest impact? I mean, I know we've been talking a lot about human-centered design, but that's the, the it's like we're at a tipping point right now um, between the cross-agency priority goal around customer experience, circular A11. There's just a lot of focus right now on even realizing that the government has customers. We are not serving them very well, and we can do better. And there are a lot of very customer service organizations, agencies, that need to up their game. Uh, that said, the internal customer, how well you you empower your staff to be able to serve the outside customer has a d- direct impact on your overall trust scores, your overall customer experience scores. So my team is very focused right now on serving the external audience, but it's as important to be focused on the people who then serve. Like what happens after somebody hits submit? Does the adjudicator have a horrible tool that they're using to process this information? Is that why there's a huge backlog? Because even if the form is great, if I have to wait two years to get an answer, I'm still not super happy. Mm -hmm. So how do we make this kind of transition into service design and really thinking about all of the pieces? When you think about a great experience like Nordstrom or Zappos or the places that you go, those the people who support the customers have all the tools they need. They are empowered to problem solve. And we need to be pushing on that as well. I was talking to a, a, a fellow at the Department of Treasury. They can get a million calls a day. 
and uh, the possibilities for bringing these kinds of tools to improve the experience of those million people who obviously are calling for a reason yeah. is uh, as big as anywhere. Where do you get the people who want to come and do this work? Um, lots of places. We have a so my pipeline comes from OMB, mm-hmm. where USDS headquarters is based out of. It's where the best people come from, obviously. <laughs> and there's a whole talent team that recruits all over the country. So we, I think, we're still, or we were just at Lesbians Who Tech in New York. Um, we do a lot of trips to Texas, Boston, Silicon Valley. Um, but I know that there's a lot of great talent in the DC area, and we have not focused, in my opinion, as, as much as we should on really tapping into who's already here, who already kind of gets some of the complexity of the government and has great things to offer. This is a tour of duty model. So we're looking for people to join for like six months, 12 months, two years, come and do a detail mm-hmm. and and help and learn what it's about. And then you can go back to Google or consulting or wherever you came from have you found people inside government who get it but didn't have a chance to flaunt it and now are in organizations like yours we have uh we've gotten a few really great people and the fact that they've been in government and they understand contracting Mm -hmm. procurement which is not a trivial thing to learn has been hugely helpful the fact that they understand agile software development and they understand modern technology Um, is kind of that sweet spot that's been great for us. What does a digital services organization at an agency, not necessarily yours, but what does it look like five years from now, 10 years from now? Is it necessary or is the goal eventually that this becomes merged into the way that agencies do information technology and present the services that they have to offer to the citizens who need them? Yeah, I wish I had a crystal ball. So USDS is always kind of having this tension between do we come in and firefight a problem like healthcare.gov, which is how we were born, Mm -hmm. or are we trying to change the culture of an organization? And I don't think we will ever be successful if we just say, we're going to come and change the culture of a 9,000 person IT organization. But I do think that if we aren't changing the culture while we are firefighting and while we are building these critical products, it is hard for us to ever leave. If, if, VA will have a digital service team in five years? I don't know. What I would love to do is grow the expertise within VA so that we don't have to be there or we could have a much smaller footprint that's Mm. really focused on firefighting truly like the the most complicated technical problems. Um, But there should be people that, that kind of are on this journey with us and we're starting to find more and more of that. So did you just say, we can't come in here with the intent of changing the culture, but if we don't change the culture, we won't be successful? Yes. Is that right? I don't think changing the culture in and of itself is a project. I think that if we don't change the culture while we are working on projects, then we've kind of put out a fire and left matches behind. Like We, we can't leave because it, we can't hand things off to people to then continue growing and, and evolving the products. And part of that, honestly, is... I mean, one thing that really frustrates me is this whole development sustainment model. You know, you build a thing and then it goes into sustainment or duct tape mode for forever. Mm -hmm. That's not the way we think about things. And that's something that I've been really encouraging our project teams, the contractors that we work with, the contractors that are sort of on the periphery that we're starting to work with is much more of a DevOps model to be thinking about 
how do we build a thing and continue to iterate and maintain so that we aren't building the next round of legacy tools that need to be deprecated in another 20 years? We just have a minute or so left, but I think one of the elements of your success is something that I've detected just in the way you've talked about yourself and your organization. You've talked about yourself and your organization as kind of as much about as being part of USDS as you've talked about being part of VA, and yet everybody that I know that's worked with you inside VA thinks of you as VA. So to them, you're part of the team. You're not this little outboard organization that's kind of tacked onto the to the broader agency. You're integrated into it and you're part of it. And I think that's part of the reason that you've been able to make an impact there to the degree that you have. I definitely feel that I'm part of VA. At the same time, USDS really looks at where can we reuse whatever's working or how do we learn from whatever's not working. So anything that I'm doing at VA that other agency teams can learn from, I certainly want to share that. And the USDS headquarters model has been a great way to do that. Congratulations on being a Sammy's finalist. It's terrific to talk to you again and learn about what you're doing. Thanks. Good luck. Thanks. We hope you win. Thanks. Me too. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.